I didn't choose the parenting niche. The parenting niche, I think, chose me just by me sharing so much of myself. And then it became double dipping again, where I was like, well, I can create resources for them and use it at home. And also, it's so therapeutic and did not feel like work every time I had to show up on Instagram to talk about it because I would talk about it anyway. Um, And Instagram, like stories – knowing that someone was on the other side who got it, like it still feels like that person is like my best friend. Like I will like talk to it. I'm like, why do I feel like I'm talking to someone on FaceTime? And I'm like, and then people message me. They're like, I feel like you're my best friend in my like living room. I was like, great. That's what I'm going for. Welcome to the podcast for anyone who has been known as that teacher. That teacher who is always dreaming up new ideas. That teacher who has an Instagram account. That teacher who goes on TikTok to share the latest teaching trends. That teacher who isn't afraid to try new things. We're Megan and Alyssa, and we were both known as That Teacher before we started our ed tech company, Pop PD. If you're an educator who's been looking for something more, more opportunities to lead, grow, and inspire others, we are here to show you the newest pathways to leadership for modern educators. We'll interview teachers who have taken their leadership beyond the four walls of their classroom to become thought leaders in the online space. You'll hear about the ups and downs of their experience sharing their educator journey online, and we hope you'll be inspired and re-energized by their unique stories. Laura Pettix is a neurodiverse affirming pediatric occupational therapist who specializes in sensory processing skills for neurodivergent individuals. She's a parent to a neurodivergent daughter and CEO of the OT Butterfly, where she educates parents through her podcasts, social media, one-to-one parent coaching, and other digital resources on how sensory processing can have a direct impact on learning and behavior. Laura lives in Southern California with her husband and daughter and is a huge Disneyland fan, visiting at least once a month, if not more, where she found a way to mix both business and pleasure in each and every trip. You can find more of her work on Instagram at the OT Butterfly or on her podcast, Sensory Wise Solutions for Parents. Laura also has a free mini training for teachers on Pop PD that helps teachers understand what sensory processing is and how it can present through behaviors when that process gets disrupted in children with SPD. Laura actually posted an Instagram story the other day saying she was having a pinch me moment because she's running her own business, writing a children's book, launching a new online program feeling like she's winning at motherhood, sharing her authentic, unfiltered life with 122,000 strangers that feel like besties, and she's the strongest she's felt mentally and physically. She started this online business journey in 2019, and in this episode, she's going to walk us through exactly how she ended up here in her perfect zone of genius today, including her successes and her struggles. One thing I really love about Laura is how willing she is to get vulnerable and tell her story. There's something powerful about hearing someone's story when they're just as willing to walk us through the bad times as they are through the good. How to be yourself and how to find your people in the online space is something that Laura is an expert in. Even when your views and style aren't for everyone, she tells you how to navigate that. In this episode, she'll talk about finding your internet besties on Instagram stories, what to do when you have all the ideas and not enough time or resources to get all of them done and how to build a business that allows you to fully show up in your zone of genius. Laura's episode on the Teacher Hustle podcast made it into the Hall of Fame for being one of the top five episodes on the podcast, so I know you're going to love this one. If you've ever been stuck in a room for a couple of hours, maybe there are no windows, maybe there's no food, 
feels like a real nightmare stuck there learning about a topic that you really never even were interested in when it comes to your teaching. Unfortunately, that is the traditional way for professional development. And even if you're lucky enough to get a wonderful professional development experience, it's probably really hard to remember or implement anything you learned in that training because you have so much to do. At Pop PD, we are planning to take a lot of that off of your plate and make your job easier and more fun with our peer learning platform and knowledge hub for K-12 educators. We make it really easy to access, organize, and implement your favorite teaching strategies and resources that you find online. Plus, you can connect with other like-minded educators inside of our community and work on projects together that get you excited about teaching. Our platform is being developed right now. You can check out the first version of our platform at poppd.co, or you can get on the waiting list for the new and most exciting version of our platform at poppd.co slash waiting list. We're going to be letting people onto the new version of the platform a little at a time. So if you get on that waiting list now, you'll be one of the first to try the newest version of our platform. While you're waiting, you can hop over to our Pop PD podcast community, where we'll be chatting about what's going on on the podcast episodes for both the extracurricular and the That Teacher podcast. We're going to chat with guests and have discussions. We have fun questions every Sunday for you to answer based on your teaching experience and your teacher leadership experience. We would love to see you over there to chat about all the podcast episodes, to ask questions to our guest experts, and to just hear what you think about all the different episodes. So we'll see you over there inside of our community. We have Laura back on what's formerly known as Teacher Hustle Podcast, now That Teacher Podcast. So technically you're back. I'm Third back. Time? Second time? I don't, I think this might be second. I think this might be okay. second. First time was I like it's third. way long. Was it second? I want to I mean, say third? we did the episode, we did an episode with you. Maybe it was in season one and then I think again in season three. I'll have to look back. But I think basically you're a seasoned veteran of (laughs) the Teacher Hustle slash That Teacher podcast. And the reason that Laura is a veteran of this podcast is because proudly she was one of the first people that ever decided to take my advice on marketing only because you happened to be at one of my live videos on Instagram when I had 100 followers because you had a fever, right? You were homesick? Yeah. I had I that was like the last time I'd had a fever. Uh, it was what was it March 2019? 2019 because yeah. I started T, I started my TPT in February. Yeah, and I was all in. You were like I don't know. It was just it was fate. It was fate. <laughs> it was fate. Truly, really I don't know how else to explain it. It was fate. So weird how that <laughs> happens. But I remember that you DM'd me and said like you know oh I would love marketing help and I'm on the other end like nobody's listening to me. I have such a small Instagram following. So sure, will you do everything I say? And from that like, that day tell forward, me. you literally did everything I told you to do. A plus 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 student, and here we are today. Oh. I love the gold star, like everything I want to put on my fridge. If you call me an A plus student, it like fuels me even more. So I love yes. it. I love it. So I think us- that's going to be the tagline for that teacher. Loves a go- yes. loves a gold star. Loves a gold, gold star. star. I will exactly. take all the gold stars. I think our listeners will resonate with that one. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so tell us, how did you come to that moment of having a fever? And showing up in that Instagram live, like what you were an OT working in a clinic, like what brought you to say, you know what, I might want to like, I might want to do this thing online. I might have more to share here. 
Yeah, so it kind of came um, – I want to say sort of out of necessity, but sort of out of just like I stumbled upon it. So I started as creating resources on Teachers Pay Teachers, but I have always been that overly like excessive OT who like creates things. Like I I recreated the wheel a lot. They're like, well, you know, we have a game for that. I was like, I know, but like this one is like pirate themed and he likes pirates. So I'm going to make it pirate themed. And, you know, every time, you know, I had a student who – a client who like had a hard time with wearing clothes, like sensitivities to clothes. I and they love Pokemon. I like handmade Pokemon cards with clothing challenges on it to like really, really motivate them. So I was making a lot of stuff and then I heard about TPT from someone that you can just put it on and people would like pay for it. I was like, but is it just teachers? And they're like, Oh, I think there's some OTs on there. So it was new. It also happened to be following a time when we lost childcare for my daughter and my husband and I were literally tag teaming taking care of her at home. And she was like 18 months or maybe like two at that time. And as a clinic-based OT, most of my day had to start around one and later. So we were making it work, but he couldn't get home till two or three. So I was losing clients and I was not a salaried employee. I, I was contracted and paid just for the service. So I was losing money and having to stay home and living in the Bay Area, which is so expensive. So all of that stress but also still having the passion to create, I started creating stuff and was just going to put it on Teachers Pay Teachers. And then the more I learned about it, they're like, oh, well, if you have a TPT story, you might as well put on Pinterest and Instagram and have a blog. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. This is like way – this is this is not what I signed up for. But if I'm going to do it, I might as well do it right. And then that's kind of how I started like searching everything. You, I know what Megan's going to say. You, you, you already identified <laughs> yourself as that teacher, and you've taught me actually to broaden the word teacher because of you. I try my best to use the word educator anytime I'm talking. Obviously, that educator isn't quite as catchy, but when we say yeah. that teacher, we mean all educators. Anyone who has a hand in educating a student is an educator, and so. We do want to broaden that definition, but you identified yourself right there. I was already, I was personalizing things I was creating, but I didn't want to do all of this extra stuff. But then when you realize you could make more income, you could make more impact, then it's yep. like, okay, let's do this. Let's try yep. it anyway. That's exactly it. Love your willingness to dive in. <laughs> so how did you decide then you were selling on TPT, you were starting to post on these different platforms. How did you decide on both your like marketing strategy and and monetization strategy because I would guess just kind of randomly posting things on TPT wasn't really making you a ton of money so when did that kind of strategy start to take place and how when did teacher hustle university launch was that in april, april it was 2019 yeah I remember your peeps that you were like stressing out and your internet yes. went out. like I was like texting you behind the scenes I was like is it is it live it is yet? easter yeah. I only had to I was lucky. I only had to fumble for the first like month and a half. And that was the first like few weeks of that was me again not even realizing that I needed to do anything. Once I figured out I needed to do stuff, I tried to do stuff myself and then I was like, mm, I don't know if I could if I'm like a DIY kind of fumble in the dark kind of person and then that's when I saw you had Teacher Hustle University and um that's when I really started my marketing strategy. So everything from the beginning from like April on I've only listened <laughs> to your advice. 
<laughs> specifically because you know what I the more that I deviate from that I feel like I don't resonate with the with the other I know you're like business to business aren't you yeah business to business yeah. but I don't resonate with like the like big launching the big marketing guru people as you call mm-hmm. them right mm-hmm. that like it just felt too big for me and then I felt like they were too flashy with the promises they were making and it was too big for me and I and then knowing that you were speaking more to teachers or educators I knew that you already knew like more of our lifestyle we tend to be parents and we are already burnt out and this is not the only thing we were doing so starting there felt a lot closer to home for me and it made it easier for me to know that I wasn't risking taking this marketing advice because I knew it was going to apply. Two great things to point out there. One is there's something to be said for niching down because on my side of things, I had just come off of doing marketing for local businesses. So I knew a lot about marketing in general, not just for teachers, but I also happened to be a teacher. So I thought I actually went to a mentor and said, should I just do marketing in general? And she was like, no, do it for yeah. teachers. And I was like, yeah. are you sure? Because I I could talk to so many more people. And she was like, yeah. no, definitely do it for teachers. And looking back, that's actually a reason why you chose to follow along. So if you're yeah. thinking about niching down and you're scared, you're going to be speaking directly to your people in such a clear way that they will know that it's an easy yes. Yep. The other thing is focus on a mentor. I don't know how many times that I've, I could, it doesn't even need to be me. I'm not saying that it's like, I'm the perfect fit for everybody because I'm not. Just pick a mentor and focus on what they're saying because that shiny object syndrome is real. Yeah. Okay. I, and, and like I said, once I picked you, I, I have not, I'm like, should I try that person? I'm like, no, they feel a little too different. I was like, I'll just. Wait to to see what Alyssa says. <laughs> the hard part is when you like you. I'll say something because marketing changes constantly, and you're like, "But you told me to do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I told That's, you it two years ago because we've so worked we, together for so long that I'm like, I'm still doing that thing you told me in 2020. Is that not like what we're doing? And you're like, No, we don't do that anymore. I was like, Oh, like, I didn't know that. Oh my gosh, I love it. I, I I think it's useful to point out too. I Laura, you got lucky. You hit you hit gold on I your did. first your first strike I, with Alyssa. But I think yeah. I think part of it too is obviously you know we all three have met in person. Um, we were lucky enough to meet you in person last year. You and Alyssa have been close for a couple years now, but you've connected, right? Like you felt a, a sense of yeah. not only through the niche, but you thought you know the the way that Alyssa is describing things. Yeah, the, the style that she teaches in really resonates with me um, on a number of levels, and so I think that for people who are looking for looking for support, you know, like there there are many options out there, and sometimes that can feel daunting. But also, like you don't necessarily have to stick with the first person you follow or you find. There's so many options that you can find someone you really connect with, and that feels yeah. right, it feels good to you, um, yeah. it feels aligned with what you want out of your business, out of what you're looking to create, or even if you're just trying to get some inspiration. Um, yeah. I think that's probably good for our listeners to keep in mind too, right? Is um, you don't want too many voices, but you can work yeah. a little bit to find the right voices that feel good to you. Oh yeah. I've definitely kissed a few frogs along the way, you know, <laughs> like deviated. I'm like, nope, that's not, that person's not right for me. And I, I tend to decide early on whether I like someone's, and it's not just for their advice. It's the way their voice sounds, the way that they like, oh, that person's too aggressive in the way they talk. They talk too fast. They make my heart rate. Like I don't. It's not even just the advice. And I can't, I'm the kind of, I can't look past it and say, oh, I don't care. I'm only here for the advice. I, it really, I'm the kind of person I have to like the person behind the brand. And that's why I think 
Instagram and like seeing who they are, that that stuff speaks to me so much more. I am, you know, there's some people who see lifestyle creators and are inspired by money and the big flashy and like I could be that like that's so inspiring and I love that but I am the kind of person where I almost get discouraged if it looks too unattainable and unrealistic and like well yeah that's all you do all day and you know you ha- you already had money before this and so you have that I'm never going to be I don't see myself mm-hmm. getting that and so from early on I saw some marketing experts too who were more that style and instead of me being inspired by them I was discouraged and I was like, no, Alyssa's way more my pace. She's got kids. She's talking about French fries. She's talking <laughs> about like 90s hip hop. I was like, that's my person. Like I, I'm definitely that person. And that's what I have carried with me as a mom now. And as my audience has shifted to other parents, there's parenting accounts who have like the, the prettiest, trendiest like kitchens and the best setups and the nice clothes and all of that. And that is not me at all all. And I'm proud of it. And that's how I found my people, I think. So I kind of take a little bit of that from your book, Alyssa. I, oh my gosh, so many great points there and so many different angles. You, I was taking notes while you were talking. First, you noticed when you were feeling discouraged by somebody rather than encouraged. And so you yeah. just, you said, nope, I'm not going to do that. That's really smart. And I think sometimes we can get lost in not noticing that that person is actually not making us feel motivated. The other thing that you said is that you found your people by doing the same thing, by being who you truly are, you've ended up, you've ended up mirroring out and finding your people. And what I love about you is that you are crystal clear about that. You are crystal clear about who you are for and who are, who you are not for Mm -hmm. yet. And maybe because because of this, you have grown a ton and you have a lot of people who follow you and engage with you on a regular basis and use you as their coach in parenting because of that. So um, I would love to dig into really where you felt, well, two things. First, I remember you had a very clear shift in audience. So you started on TPT for creating resources for other OTs. And then there was a point in time where you were like, no, those are not maybe my people. I think my people are my fellow parents. And then you just went full speed ahead. These are the people I'm talking to. So how did that happen? And how did you give yourself permission to do that? So it all kind of fell in line with the pandemic. So in March, 2020, I actually had to leave the clinic and leave the Bay Area and move because of my husband's job. And it happened to coincide with the clinic shutting down anyway. So everyone was kind of home, but I, but everyone was home. The OTs were home and trying to do OT from behind a screen, which was like, never happened. Like I was like, this is not going to work. This is watered down OT. This is not OT. Like I don't even know what's happening. So I was kind of watching from the side. And then I got to, at that beginning, then take advantage of the everybody rushing to online for needing TPT resources. And so I definitely jumped on that and saw a huge increase in my income from TPT creating what was that like I think distance learning was the SEO key key phrase at that time. Yeah. I don't know if it's if people still use that anymore, but uh, it was I was making so much money from like April to like August, I would say, with everyone scrambling for that. And but after a while, I got so far removed from it that I was like, I've uh, I, I can't really resonate. I don't know what my therapist, my my fellow therapists who I'm creating for, I don't know what they need 
because I'm not there. I also don't know what works or doesn't work. Where before it was kind of like um, I was double dipping, right? I was making money off of it. I was serving like I loved creating, but also I got to use the stuff I created. And then if something didn't work or if I got a new idea, I would make it. And it was just very efficient in the way that that whole work, the whole thing worked. By the time it was like July, August, I was like, I had to ask OTs, like, what is it that you need more of? And I didn't know what was working. I didn't know how I had never worked with a virtual client at all. And I was like this, and it, it wasn't serving me anymore. And I couldn't really talk about it. I wasn't even in the clinic. I was literally not an OT for that time. And also this coincided with my daughter having even more challenges that I, you know, I guess some people may not like it, but I, I used Instagram, my stories as my safe place. Like I taught, I, you know, especially in the pandemic, those were my people. Like I was like, I can't wait to tell Instagram about this. I have to talk to Instagram about this meltdown we had. Like it was so hard. It was very cathartic for me because then the people that were responding were parents who were dealing with it too. Yeah. And they were not only looking to me for the advice, which I had, but they loved that they were like, I actually love seeing that you're struggling too. Like I feel bad saying that, but like it feels good to see an expert like you also have this. And I was like, yeah, I've had this for a long time. And so I so I didn't choose the parenting niche. The parenting niche, I think, chose me just by me sharing so much of myself. And then it became double dipping again where I was like, well, I can create resources for them and use it at home. And also it's so therapeutic and did not feel like work every time I had to show up on Instagram to talk about it because I would – talk about it anyway. And Instagram, like stories, knowing that someone was on the other side who got it, like it still feels like that person is like my best friend. Like I will like talk to it. I'm like, why do I feel like I'm talking to someone on FaceTime? And I'm like, and then people message me. They're like, I feel like you're my best friend in my like living room. I was like, great. That's what I'm going for. Wait, you're my so, best friend on Instagram. Yeah. Stop yeah. it. Yes, yes, you. You're the real one. You're the real one. You're my Instagram best friend. Everyone's going to be fighting in the comments yeah. of this I episode. Like, I thought it was my best friend. I thought it was me. Yeah, so that's how I made the shift. And then and then you, Alyssa, again from the beginning, we're talking about me making a course. And I was, but that was I was still thinking for other therapists. And I was like, nope, 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 not doing that, not interested. And you're like, you will, you're gonna make a course one day. And I made a course, but it wasn't for therapists, it was for teachers and then I mean for teachers, for parents, and then I was I was hooked. Yeah, living into and really stepping into who, where you are at the time, you were willing to shift. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes it's just about giving ourselves the permission. I think we feel this sometimes. We feel this pull to go in another direction, but we think I can't because I need to be consistent. I can't because everyone will notice. I can't because I need to start a brand new Instagram account and call it something different. No, it's you. It's mm-hmm. you are a human being. Your life circumstances change. The what you're dealing with and what you're excited about. Your, your ideas, they all shift and change. And so your brand should shift and change with it. And that's okay. And I wonder too, in doing all of that, you then experienced like super growth because I think your stories were, as you were living into this audience and as you were working with your daughter and as you were sharing, it really was growing quickly. And so I'm wondering, have you had any challenges like keeping up with that growth, especially because you make Instagram stories feel so special and unique to, and like one-on-one, has it been hard to kind of like scale that growth? Yeah. So on Instagram, I would say it hasn't been hard that way, but in terms of my actual business and the office, the, the services that I offer and scaling that, that's where I'm still 
in this growing pains phase where there's so much I want to do, but I'm very limited because I don't have a full team yet. And what's holding me back from the team is obviously, you know, finances and being able to invest in something that I don't have yet, even though I know I'll get a return, it's still that the initial cash to have up front. And I've, you know, I was fortunate at the beginning of the pandemic to take advantage of the the loans that the government was offering, which I took and I used to up to get a whole new website and pay for all of these courses to to learn how to create my stuff. And I used all of that, but I've kind of, and that got me, I would not have been able to get to where I am without that. But I don't know that I'm willing to take another loan because I'm still paying that back. Right. So yeah. I'm kind of in this phase where I'm having a hard time getting all of the ideas out there where I'm not still the one woman show. I have two very, very part-time VAs because I'm so picky about who works for me. I want them to be moms. So naturally they're not going to be like a full-time marketing person or a full-time, you know, website or social media. I really, really like that they're moms and that that's their main role because then I can use them also for like my research and my focus group and say like, does this resonate with you? And it's, so I've been, I've been working that way, but I'm very careful with who, who I bring on. And that's kind of where I'm stuck at in terms of growing and why I'm always messaging you for ideas. I'd love to offer some advice. Go ahead, Megan, and then I'll I'll jump well, in. I was just gonna say, I want to take a second and appreciate that that kind of level of thoughtfulness is really like a theme throughout this whole interview and talking about being thoughtful and who you were going to follow for your mentor and who mm-hmm. you were going to ignore. Being thoughtful in how you were starting to notice the shifts in your business. Being thoughtful about who you hire and it's not just about that outcome for you about like, I want to just make all this money and and like that final piece. It's every day I want to feel like it feels good to do this business and to have that, like you're not doing the business for the sake of the business. It's to be part of your life and to enhance your life, not just for some end goal. So I I really like that. It seems like that has kind of been a driving factor for you really the whole time you've been building this business. And I think that that's sometimes easy to forget, especially when you're even excited or feeling really ambitious. None of those things are bad, but I love to hear, you know, each of those pieces about how you've kind of used that as a compass for each of these decision points in your business. And it enhances, you know, your whole experience in building this along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to call this out because someone might be wondering. I So I was out of the clinic from the beginning of the pandemic. And then, you know, once the world started opening up and vaccines became available, I worked part-time at a new local clinic where I had moved. I moved to Southern California from the Bay Area. Um, And so I worked there for a year with a very part-time caseload. And um, until it got to the point where my online business was outgrowing that, and then my OT work felt more like my side hustle instead of my like online. And it was really hard for me to shift my brain. Even though it's all OT, it was it was getting there to drive there and then working on that client and then coming home and going on stories. Like I tried to blend it. It was, I wasn't doing my clients the best work that I could. And then at home it was getting too hard and I was making more on this end and knew that I could fill the time from there to put back to my business. So that was the most logical way I could cut out the clinic. So now I'm a hundred percent not in the clinic and I am a hundred percent doing the OT butterfly, but still kind of stuck in this, like really wanting to take that next step. But I need, I need some money or something. <laughs> That's a big transition. And I, I think it's okay yeah. to still feel a little 
it's it's just difficult. There, it's difficult in new and different ways. And mm-hmm. growing and scaling a business, it 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 is really really hard. It's hard mentally to figure out. Okay, can I hand this off to somebody? It's my baby. I've been growing this business for years, right. and, it, and it's my livelihood. And how am I going to hand off a piece of this? And then it's all also there's this like I don't know about for you, but for me, there's like this guilt of like. Oh, am I, did I make the right decision or am I as connected to this as, as I used to yeah. be? So there's all these feelings that swirl around a ship like that. The piece of advice I would offer on team, not that you asked for it, but I was thinking about this this morning and I wanted to make a post on it anyway. So I'll get it out here on the podcast. I went to the doctor and uh, it was a specialist. So she's, I'm sure, paid very well. And I spent almost 20 minutes talking to the nurse ahead of talking to the specialist. And the whole time I'm thinking like, wow, this nurse is really like asking a lot of detailed questions and taking notes. And at, at one point I'm like, when, when am I going to like switch over to talking to the doctor? But the point is that that nurse was able to lift a ton of that basic information out of me and then quickly ha- hand it over to the expert so that the expert could then look at it and make a decision and and then like work with me on it. And I think that in our businesses, sometimes we forget like our we are the experts and our expertise is really valuable. And the more time we spend on this like very basic level stuff, then the less of our expertise there is to be utilized. So we need to be able to let somebody else take at least at least those very basic kind of like mundane things. Let them do that so that you can focus your expertise where it's needed. I believe in all of that and I know I need that, but how do I get there? And can I just say, I mean, I don't know, this might not even go in the episode, but just being like fully transparent, why I've, aside from the, like, even if I had all the money, right? And I'm like, okay, I want like a full team. I want a marketing person. I want someone to help me with email. Like I want all of that. Why I go back to like moms and want moms with like little kids. Like I'd rather have a mom with kids and teach them that than have a general marketing person. And then, because then like they get like, I, there's something about the niche wording of talking to parents and then also talking to them about sensory and OT stuff that I don't feel like every marketing person can get. And, and, and I can't train that. Whereas a mom lives the, this stuff. They know the behaviors, they can call it out. And so these People who work for me have been following me and I'm like, you know my content. You know they can archive, they know every single thing I've created, they know my voice, they know what I talk about, but they're just limited in their hours and their ability to work for me. So I'm like, I wish I could clone them. But that's why I keep pulling from there instead of like someone who went to school for this, right? Who who would also probably cost more and probably have really, really good ideas and be able to make my my ideas happen. But I just I feel like they don't know as much of the stuff. And I feel like I would be another client to them rather than working with moms and people who I've talked to and created relationships with in the background who really, really care about the the service that I'm providing. So yeah, how do you grow that? You're spot <laughs> on with that. that. I mean, there's two types of people you can hire. You can hire a strategist. You're going to pay for, more for them. They're going to come in with the expertise, maybe not in your niche area, but in that particular thing, marketing, designing your website, writing your copy, whatever. And then you can hire an, an implementation person. And to that person, it would be more beneficial for an implementer to know your niche. That's It's, it's mm-hmm. going to be a much Is implementer just like a VA? So I, I dislike the term VA. I think it's way okay. too general. 
Okay. Both for the person who's advertising themselves as a VA and for the person who's hiring the VA. To, to say that, you know, I will be your VA is sort of like saying like, okay, I'll do whatever you throw my way. And that's mm-hmm. maybe true. Maybe some people can do that and have that skill set. But if you as a person hiring can identify, this is the skill set I need. This is the area I need help with. Nobody's going to yeah. come into your business and save you from all the things. Maybe you need a, Maybe you need somebody to come in and organize. Maybe that's the problem. Um, but yeah. If you know if it's a str- first, figure out is it a strategist or is it implementation? That would be step one. Mm-hmm. If it's a strategist, mm-hmm. it can be a project basis. It does not mean you need to bring on a full time marketing strategist or a full time website designer. It's just like, hey, one time design my website. You're going to pay more for it. So you might not be able to afford them over the long term. And you're probably yeah. going to want to test working with them in a project basis because they're going to cost you more. So let's like make sure that you yeah. like working with that person. Yeah. And then on the implementation side, they should still, even, even though they're an implementer and not a strategist, a VA is so broad. So I would want you to then know, okay, I have this person to implement this piece, whether it's content yeah. recycling or it's email marketing or whatever it is, but yeah. you know, like you've given them a container by which to implement. Mm-hmm. And it's not like just, I'm going to just throw them whatever. If you feel like you yeah. have to throw somebody whatever, just to keep your head above water, you probably need somebody to come in and organize your systems first. Right, Megan? Is that what you would say? Yeah. And I would say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Melissa, but I, I kind of think about it, two, the two main buckets, especially for, you know, Laura here and I think for a lot of the listeners would be kind of on the marketing side and then the operations side. Those would yeah. probably be yeah. two, you know, yeah. buckets. Yeah. And so if you're even kind of thinking, okay, instead of VA, could I at least say one of those two things? That I think that not, if yeah. you're looking to start that kind of business would help you be a little bit more specific in what you can offer. Yes. And then if you're looking to hire that kind of gives you those lanes to look in. And then yeah. Alyssa gave some great examples, at least on the marketing side, right? Of thinking, okay, well, I fo- ha- will, it, will they focus more on content and social? Will it be more on email? Maybe it's a little bit of everything. So maybe that general marketing term applies. But trying to give a little bit more nuance to that can help you target those people. And I think what you described, Laura, and, and not only is it a wonderful thing that you want to you know, give moms this opportunity to have these kinds of jobs that are really not always that easy to find, right? But it's also a way that you are kind of giving yourself an advantage and mm. strengthening your business because you've yeah. you've noticed this really adds to my content. It adds to my process. Yeah. It strengthens the voice that I have, the authority that I have, because mm-hmm. I have people working for my brand, working for me, who yeah. buy into this, who believe in it and can help me communicate that. So it, right. you're really kind of doubling your investment in those people and then in your business as well. So I think it's important to, to kind of keep note of that yeah. for certain roles I think that makes a lot of sense to, yeah. to zero in in that way. Yeah. yeah. And they've both they've both made a really good, a big difference in my business. So I'm so grateful for them. I'm now seeing like my next graphic on social media. It's got a, it's a, it's really like a T chart, right? Where it's like or a scale. It's like you've got marketing, you got operations, you've got strategists, you've got implementer. It's like you could have a strategist for marketing or an implementer for marketing. They're going to do two different levels. They're going to be paid differently. And same with operations. You could have a strategist for operations who comes in and sets up all your operations. That's going to be expensive. It's a project. Or you can have somebody come in and implement for operations, which is they're just kind of living in those systems, paid a little bit less. And I think as a person who formerly was known as a VA, if you could pick one of those, you might start out as an implementer and realize that you can do strategy. Um, But I think, yeah, I think they would always fall there. Genius. 
My, I would add my, one more, at least yeah, for our okay. our kind of niche, is that that educator piece would be kind of that like curriculum and the, yeah. the yeah. actual concepts and the, yeah. the layering of kind of how you're channeling that expertise, yeah. right? What does that look like within your product, your service, your course, yeah. whatever. So I think that is kind of another bucket to think about as well. You might end up having an operations implementer be able to help with some of that once you get the strategy. But I think considering the the body or the um, the value that you're actually offering, mm-hmm. not the value that you're marketing, but the value that you're offering is also a useful way to bucket it as well. And obviously, Alyssa and I are kind of the sides of that coin where we often talk about you know, the marketing versus the curriculum, I guess not that they're opposed to each other, but really they need to complement each other and how thinking about those in different buckets could also be another way to think about the different sizes of your, you know, teams or the different ways people are focusing as they're working for you. Yeah. I I feel like I envision myself, like what I would want in an ideal world is like, I want to show up, right. And, and say like, okay, here's my idea. I want to create this course, this bootcamp, this, whatever, I have that knowledge and then I want someone to be like, great, you give me the like the bullet points. We'll create this. Someone is going to be like, oh, like I think this would be really good um, reels for you to make. This is a good – and then someone's like, oh, yeah, we could do emails. So we could sell this or this is the timing we would do here. Like I, I, I envision people doing that, but I'm like who – I have to fill each role individually. That's why Alyssa, I was like, do you just have like, – can you just have like a team of people and I just hire the whole team at it. once? Sometimes I also feel like – I just want to brainstorm. I'm like, here's the idea of what I want. Like, what I need someone to talk back, and I can tell them my idea. And I cannot. I tried to do this last night. I was like, I'm writing out my ideas. I'm like, this isn't. I need to talk to someone who gets it. Like, I don't have anybody who gets the idea. I'm like, I could talk to a friend who's an OT, but they're not a digital creator. Like, I could talk to this digital creator, but they're not an OT. I need someone to talk out those ideas. Sorry, I got super. Uh, passionate about that because it just happened last night where I'm like, I'm talking to myself and this is so hard to get my ideas out. I mean, you're just preaching to the choir because this is what we're working (laughs) on. It's like Megan and I are really passionate about how do we take someone who's so knowledgeable in their field of education and get their ideas out of their head into a way that they can easily teach others. And what gets in the way is marketing because yeah. you, you know you have an amazing educator who has all of this knowledge and maybe we can help them get it out of their heads and put it into an yeah. online format, which is hard enough, but then you've got to market it because you're among all these others who are also trying yeah. to do the same thing. And how do you reach your people? Yeah. So we've got two layers of, of obstacles to contend with and they're huge and they're stopping wonderful educators from sharing their ideas. I, I, yeah. I have worked with so many and Megan has too of like, we're pulling the ideas out and we're like, this is life changing. This is amazing. How are yeah. we going to market this? Like yeah. now we've got to get you a social media. We've got to get you an email. It just exactly. shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't, shouldn't have to be a full-time job unless you want it to be, to be able yeah. to share your thought leadership. Um, so yeah, now yeah. we're all passionate. <laughs> I know. I love it. So let's make it happen. Okay. Well, back on track. Uh, I think that was a really good derailment to our conversation and great stuff about team there. And I would maybe know. Just, yeah, Alyssa, just the takeaway, I think, from that segment, because we did kind of go down that rabbit hole, is, you know, Laura, you are an incredibly successful and amazing person to watch as a thought leader in the space. You have challenges too. You're still trying to look how, yes. how to evolve your business and how to make things better. You still have those moments at night where you're sitting there like yes. with your fists up to the sky, like, why yeah. can't I get this? I think that's a great lesson because, you know, some people who are going to be listening are just starting out. Some people might be in the same boat as you. 
And it's what you said before, you started cheering and it felt good to kind of hear from other parents that they were, you know, on that's in right. the same boat as you. And so I think that's the business side too, is that like, mm-hmm. no matter what stage you're in, a lot of these issues, you can even acknowledge and know what your problem is, still trying to wait, find ways to solve it. Of course, Pop yeah. ED is hoping to solve both of those issues in, in due time, but you know, just trying to find the resources that, that you can and doing your best to make incremental improvements. I know that's something we've talked about with you um, is the best you can do and you can still grow and you can still succeed. Um, it's all about as being that teacher or that educator, that little tinkering process and leaning into it, I think is the way that you keep going and, and making it exciting and successful for yourself. So I just wanted to kind of tie that up a little bit, but that's kind of what I noticed in yeah. our little tangent there. <laughs> if you offer that service, like a one-stop shop, I have to be the first person that you invite. Like you cannot like, open this it. out to the public. That's what we're working say, like, behind the scenes. No, like it's got to be me first. Like I have to be first in line. A hundred percent. You will be first. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. 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 Just you, already, you already have your name and the number one. Just had to clarify. I'm the first no, call. We're gonna get right off this podcast episode and talk about it because this is exactly what we're trying to build and, and figure out how to scale because we we want it to be easier for educators to share their ideas because that's we that's just how education is gonna get better is if we can more easily yeah. share. So um, just yeah. quick quick poppd.co slash waitlist if anybody else wants to get on the waitlist for that. Oh my, did, can you just, can you put me on that wait list? Yes. I'm, Laura's I'm, the first. You can be I'm the two. first. I'm the first one. So. White glove. White glove Laura on that wait list. <laughs> but yes. Anyone else can access that wait list as well. It's just, again, we, we can get talk about it for hours, but it is a lot. It's a lot that teachers are trying to do and educators are trying to do and translate their expertise. There's so much value in what Laura and all the educators you know across the country are trying to do to support kids families. And um, so trying to, f- trying to find ways, this whole podcast is about trying to find ways to support that. Um, and that's what we're doing with Pop as well. So. So I just don't want to leave the episode. I know we're, we're getting short on time, but I don't want to leave the episode without asking about Instagram stories. Cause I think Instagram stories speaks to a lot of what we've talked about today with you is like, it feels authentic to you. It's where you can call out your specific people that, or I guess call in your specific people that you really connect with it's where you're finding your community and sharing your ideas as you're working with your daughter and and answering questions and providing support. And it's something you'll probably never hire out for because that truly is where you're sharing your zone of genius. It's your expertise. It's where you show up as the specialty person, right? And so mm-hmm. I think stories are so powerful. They're also very hard to keep up with. And it's mm-hmm. hard to show up there all the time for some of our listeners. So what are your top tips for someone who's like, okay, yes, I would love to develop this community, but I'm not feeling called necessarily to show up on stories. So how can I put a routine around that or figure out a way to show up? Yeah. So I would first decide on what day or time feels like you can be the most consistent, like with everything, blogging, podcasting, like whatever you decide, make it be consistent. So if you can only do Sunday mornings and you're know, you'll know you'll always be home, put a reminder in your phone to like show up in stories. In terms of what to post, like I feel like you don't have to show your face if you don't want to, all the, the more the better. But if you're uncomfortable with that at first, if you're trying to do what I'm doing where you're polarizing or at least showing really who you are, you can even just start with resharing content that really speaks to you. Like, you know, when it was like the Black Lives Black Lives Matter or neurodiversity movement, or I talk a lot about 
the pandemic stuff and the vaccines and all of those things, when I saw a post that spoke to me, I would share it to my stories and I didn't even need to comment on it. But that already tells people who they're following. And for me, that was very, very important. It doesn't have to be quite big issues that you have to share on, but that's a very easy, low-hanging fruit for you to get to your stories is just reshare things, maybe every Sunday, things that you collected throughout the week as a consumer that that speak to your brand and things that are important to you. And then based on that, maybe people will like re- react and like to that story like, oh, they like they like that topic. So yeah. I'm going to, you know, make a text slide and say like, what are your thoughts on that? Add a question box and you could slowly like see what works. I think that a lot of the time why people are not showing up on stories is because they don't either know what to post or they feel like it has to be some polished thing. And you really, it really doesn't. I see so much more polished, like beautiful, like texts and like the color, like mine shift every day, however I feel like nothing uniform. I just put it on there. Sometimes TMI for some people. Um, I don't really have a specific strategy. You would think I have a strategy I follow. I don't. It's just whatever's on my mind I talk about and I share it. If I see a post I like, I post it. I don't save it. I have friends who are very, very popular on Instagram and have very successful Instagram stories and they only post at 7 p.m. only like these topics, only 10 slides and they're very uh, – they curate it. That's not me. And this the way I can show up the most is when I know that um, it's just – what's off the top of my head and that's how I'm the most authentic. And it feels good to me. Like I like I have to hold back from showing up on stories. I'm like, oh, I really want to share this, but I've posted too much today. Okay, I'll, I'll wait till tomorrow. <laughs> like I just, I love that. Show up as you are, show up where you feel most comfortable, show up at the place where you feel you have to hold back from showing up. I yeah. actually really like that you said you could just share out. I've seen people do like meme Fridays or like, you know. Yeah, TikTok Fridays I've seen. Yeah. I love it. That predictability I think is important because I think that helps with people showing up and and, and looking. Like I always go watch your – I don't really – I'm not really a stories watcher, but I always watch yours because I can predict what's going to be there. So I think mm-hmm. that predictability is really important too. Yeah. Why do you think Instagram stories work so well for you? I think because that's where parents are hanging out a lot. I yeah. I think like for me, Instagram stories, Instagram in general has worked better for me than Facebook has. Yeah. So I know that's when you know you're saying go where your audience hangs out. My audience specifically, I know there's a lot of parents on Facebook, but it just has never fully worked for me. And I've tried so many different strategies yeah. that I know Instagram works and I'm making it work for me. And I think also because I'm responsive on Instagram stories. Yeah. I'm more responsive on Instagram stories than I am in comments. Yeah. Because there's less thought to it and you can just like, I don't know. It just feels like I'm talking to to people I know. It just, it feels easy to me. It feels doesn't feel like I have to sick. Yeah. That's why. It's just, and I don't, I don't remember it not feeling easy. Like I don't remember if there was a time when I was like, mm, I don't really know. Again, I, I think I shared this with you on like on the first podcast episode that I did with you where I would share something and then I would get comments and people were like, thank you for sharing that. Like that was so brave. And I was like, was I, was I not supposed to share that? Like, why was that so brave? Like so many people would say that was so brave of you. Like I wish more people, I was like, uh, did I say something to, like, I just genuinely like had no idea that anything I was sharing was beyond something I was supposed to share. So oh my gosh, that That's just great. speaks Authenticity to it a bit. all the way. All right. Yeah. We've got three minutes, Megan. Can we speed through these lightning round questions? And then we'll put all the links in the show notes where you can contact Laura. 
Absolutely. The we're gonna skip the uh, favorite social media platform. I'm gonna answer for you, Instagram. So <laughs> Correct. Laura's on Instagram. Follow her there. Uh, our other two lightning round questions. First one: What's your favorite business book or podcast? Some kind of resource that helps support and inspire you. Yeah. So I'm not really a huge reader, but I have been reading the book called Building a Story Brand. It's from Donald Miller. I like that book right now. I'm in the middle of it. But also podcasts, I really like Amy Porterfield's podcast. I always go there for a lot of her – very actionable. I like the structure of her podcasts, easy to listen to, and always has a ton of tips on there. Like I feel so valuable from from that podcast. Awesome. And we'll finish our last lightning round question. You've given us so many nuggets of wisdom, but what are some of the best pieces of business advice that you have received over the years? Yeah. So there's very specific advice that, again, I heard from Alyssa, and that was to do like pre-sales for things, for an idea that you have, that you don't have to have it completed before you put it up for sale because this will at least let you know who's interested. And so that has been very, very helpful for just getting it out there and also holding me accountable so I can't back out. (laughs) And then more big picture, just day-to-day advice was get very comfortable with your brand handshake or explaining what you do because you never know who you're saying that to or who they know. And stumbling over it is not going to be like the best first impression. So I mean, even to the like one time I was wearing a shirt that said like talk sensory to me because it's like a shirt from Great Lakes OT. Shout out to Great Lakes OT. I love her. It was a shirt that said talk sensory to me. And then someone at the Trader Joe's cashier was like, what is sensory? And I was like, uh, like I literally ah. like was like I, I I didn't I didn't expect to answer this question, but like I know it. I'm just not used to talking about it in person. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay, well, how much time do you – like knowing how to say it, but like it caught me off guard. And so just being like on a whim, just know how to say it. Know how to say it. Also good. This was amazing. Laura, you're amazing. She is on Instagram at the OT Butterfly and go watch her stories right after this episode for some great examples. Thank you both for being here. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Megan. And we'll see everybody in the next episode. If you had a light bulb moment during this episode or thought of an idea to share, join us inside our podcast community to tell us your thoughts on both the extracurricular and that teacher podcast. We have a space for you to comment and chat with one another about each episode. We'll also pop in with a fun question every Sunday night, like what's your most embarrassing teaching moment? We believe that sharing our experiences as educators is what keeps us moving, learning, and experiencing more of a sense of connection. You can join us inside the community to access all the podcast episodes, bonus content, and discussion prompts at poppd.co slash podcast.